0: Italian Wine Podcast. Chin with Italian Wine People.
1: Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast hosted by me, Monty Walden, with part two of my interview with Gianluca Garofoli. So just tell me a little bit again about the history of, um, we'll edit all that, the Garofoli family's history starting in, um, you just told me, it was founded in 1871. And-
0: yes, absolutely. Garofoli Winery um, started uh, with the, the collapse of the Vatican State. Actually, Antonio Garofoli, even though lived in, uh, in Loreto, that is uh, one of the most important churches for Christianity, he basically decided to, to fight for the unification of Italy with the King of Piedmont and not with the state of the Pope. So the King of Piedmont gave him as a reward the license to sell salt and tobacco, the tabaccheria, what we see the blue sign But this happened in 1866 and with tobacco we didn't do nothing but with salt, that was the only way to keep food in good condition he started to make a good amount of money and he bought the old vineyards where he lived, that was, were owned by the, the church. So this is the beginning of Garofoli Winery, basically from the unification of Italy. And um, in 1901, his son, Gioacchino Garofoli, went to the Chamber of Commerce and legally founded Garofoli Winery. So that's why we, we usually use 1901 as our beginning, because we have a piece of paper to show. But in reality, 1871 is real, the real beginning. And, uh, and Garofoli Winery at the very beginning was a typical agricultural, company firm and as I said we were we were pasta makers There's are still the brand Garofoli really? pasta yes then we sold this to another person but it still exists in Garofoli pasta then we had the Frantoio to make olive oil that uh, they still uh, owned by the family and then we were making uh, wine we were um, buying and distributing the, the, the tractors, uh, you know, typical uh, company of the countryside. And uh, we specialize on wine uh, a lot, uh, among the two words. Uh, words. Uh, this is uh, then uh, Dante, Garofoli, and uh, Franco Garofoli, my grandfather, they, they really focused only on, uh, on wine. And from there, uh, you know, from the bulk wine, because we have to remember that Italy was not only bottled. They, they called the fine wines, but it was the, the, the 1%. And uh, after the Second World War, Garofoli bottled almost everything. We're distributing wine all over Italy. And, and from there it started, you know, in the, the Amphora bottle in the fifties, we started to export in the fifties. We have uh, bottles written in English for export markets dated Brilliant. in the fifties. And the fourth generation, Gianfranco and uh, my uncle Carlo. They completely made a revolution uh, of the quality, like it happened in all over Italy in the 60s, in the 70s. And then now there is my sister and myself. When you're working with your sisters, is it very
1: easy for you to work together in terms of the style of the wines or labelling or marketing, or do you have very
0: different ways of going about things? But it took uh, 12 years to find an agreement. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> no, it's uh, as in each family. It's a family. Uh, it's like uh, the, the family of everybody, you No, know? It's the same thing in the last 3 4 years we we found uh, a nice agreement among the family so we have uh, our own role and uh, the same project the same idea the same vision but we tend not to you know to speak about uh, your job or my job so that's a uh, Okay, that's a an good way of going agreement
1: about. but you all agree about how the vineyard should be run you're all, all very clear about you know what's going on there because without the grapes there's no wine right oh yes 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 what's the hardest part about farming in the Marque? because it's a very rural region the market very farming here seems to be particularly for, for vineyards pretty high quality people pulling together people understanding the importance of that it's very unindustrialized is that a benefit for you or, or a limitation
0: At the beginning, it was a limitation because um, it was very difficult, uh, as my uncle told me, to to convince uh, farmers to work in a good way, like to cut down the boundaries on the ground. It was uh, almost impossible, even though we were the owners of those vineyards. And uh, so the beginning was was very, very, very tough. But then this was a plus because this region is made still today. uh, We have a network of uh, people that uh, where we buy the grapes and they have still the same mentality of uh, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. So you you see the roots of this region. You see great uh, great people, they work every day. And you see that these, uh, you have a support, a real support, uh, no bullshits. So you have re- very straightforward people. It's uh, it's great.
1: Yeah, because Marques, for anybody that doesn't know, is a bit, bit off the beaten track. There's no real main motorway access. And also the population has stayed fairly stable here, it's really, since just after the Second World War. it yeah. a slight increase recently, but it's been very, very stable. Stable.
0: yes absolutely we are we we are 1 million and a half people and the 80 percent of those live along the coastline because the market region is a 97 percent mountains and hills it's to build motorways to to live uh, next to the mountains, so we live next to each other, but we are one million enough. We are not uh, many people. So
1: is that also important for the wine? You you basically got the, the Adriatic Sea on one side, with a relatively small amount of land where you can grow vineyards, and the rest is mountains on the on the inside of Italy. Is that important in terms of wind and temperature and day night temperatures?
0: Yes, absolutely. This is uh, the the there are rivers that they cut from um, west to east, and they, they create uh, valleys where the wind, the breeze from the sea, continues goes up to the mountains so it's uh, absolutely determinant this uh this uh, this t- this thing, and how does that
1: affect the taste of the Verdicchio? Does it make it more crisper or more aromatic? Or
0: it's not a particularly aromatic, grape, is it? No, it's not aromatic. It's not aromatic. It's uh, but the crispiness, yes. The 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 acidity, yes. Minerality. This this is another factor that is uh, important. So, what flavors would we find in a young Verdicchio, and what would we find in an older one? Say one that's 20 years old. In the young Verdicchio, absolutely the crispiness, and minerality. These are you see the almond aftertaste these are the typical lemon, uh,
1: like
0: lemon uh, citrus uh, and this this these are the kind of uh, typical characteristics and uh, during the evolution uh, you can find uh, anise for example, anise, licorice. Yeah. Uh, licorice. Uh, you can find. Um, you can find uh, sometimes uh, riper red, uh, riper fruit like the typical honey. But sometimes uh, they can, uh, they can be balsamic too. Really balsamic, uh, very very particular. Is that from the sea? Who knows? Who knows? We are not certain, especially during the very hot vintages the, the the eucalyptus the balsamic part comes out mm-hmm. so we don't know we don't know if uh, the, the the probably the roots of the, the vines they go deep i don't know so i mean a, a good verdicchio can age easily age 20 years
1: what about a a good uh, red conero wine how long could that age but I think that in 10, 15 years, uh, we should be fine. And what are the main flavors in a young Conero,
0: based on the multiple China group, but, and one that's older, like a,
1: maybe a 10-year wine?
0: We have the plums. We have the plums. We have the maraschino cherry. This is the typical uh, the typical taste of uh, And with Conorau. age? What comes in the corner. Uh With age, uh, we, sometimes it's a little bit uh, wider, this uh, ripeness. So some people think, oh, maybe it's an old red wine. But no, that's a typical uh, Maraschino cherry of, uh, of the Conro. I think that uh, now, for example, in our case, we change a little bit this kind of uh, style. Uh, don't ask me how we did it. I think that my uncle, uh, uh, you know, wanted uh, not anymore more riper fruit. He's harvesting before than... than other years, that that is what I know, and um, we look for really the dryness of the like the white rocks, the chalkiness. This is what we are looking for more rather than the maraschino cherry. That is a typical component. Uh, I love uh, that's, quite, that's quite nice because you get that ripe, not jammy, but that ripe fruit without the wine being really kind of fat mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. almost sweet tasting.
0: Yes, that gives this kind of sweetness. When when it gets 20 years older, it can be even bigger. This so kind savory, of savory, savory sweetness. Yes, yes. In we are looking more integrity now we are looking for more um, less of this kind of sweetness and, uh, and gemminess much much less more subtlety yes absolutely especially we did it in 2011 and 2012 vintage this process ok
1: alright Gianluca it's really a fascinating to talk to you about the Garofoli family's history and your, your vineyards in the Marche your Verdicchio and your Connor O'Reds Hope to have a little trip around the vineyard with you at some stage.
0: Okay. Thank, thank you. Me. Thank you very much for uh, for this uh, you know this chat. No so worries. It a great pleasure to speak about the Mac region uh, and uh, and its beautiful wines. Yeah. I mean, if I had to
1: interview all of your family, I'd need about six hours of tape. I think, wouldn't I? Absolutely. No.
0: I try. I try to speak what they would uh, would uh, would say to you. <laughs> great. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.